Hi, this is Daniela Cambone. Welcome back to the Daniela Cambone Show. My guest today, Edward Dowd, a founding partner over at Finance Technologies, a global macro alternative investment firm, and the author of Cause Unknown, The Epidemic of Sudden Deaths in 2021 and 2022. There's no shortage of controversy wherever Edward is. I've been looking forward to speaking with you. Welcome to the show, Edward. Thanks for having me on, Daniela. Great to be here. So I know we have limited time today, but I'm going to try my best to cover, uh, let's see, aliens, the ongoing banking crisis, and central bank digital currencies, where to begin, where to begin. Uh, let's talk with your main thesis uh, that you've been talking about, that you think by 2025, we will see way more consolidation in the banking sector, so much so that we may only be left with six banks. I bring this up because Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen coming out now saying, you know, and not too long ago, she was saying the banking sector is healthy, it's fine. Now, reversing course, pivoting, saying consolidation may be coming, folks. Thoughts on this, Edward? <laughs> well, uh, you know, at the time I made the prediction, she was saying everything's fine. It's not fine. Uh, unfortunately, we've had 14 years of basically zero uh, interest rates. So banks, uh, you know, did what the banks do. They, they rode the yield curve deposits. They paid zero to the depositors and they invested out along the yield curve at, you know, two, three percent uh, out, out many years. And so with the, with the Fed raising five percent on the short term, they're upside down. The yield curve is inverted and they can't they can't because of the margin squeeze. They can't pay depositors a competitive rate. So all the money is leaving these banks to go to money market funds where the Fed allows the money market funds to do uh, reverse repo transactions and get 5% overnight with no counterparty risk. So before COVID and before the interest rate rate hikes, there was $3 trillion in money market assets. There's now $5.5 trillion in growing. So there's been what we call a disintermediation of the banks. This happened in the SNL crisis when they raised interest rates then as well. So the same thing's going on, but on a larger scale. Again, most of these banks are, were ill-prepared. Silicon Valley Bank, obviously, was the first one to go, then First Republic. There'll be many more um, consolidations. It just, it's just inevitable. You know, how do you, does this change the course at all? You know, we're speaking ahead of the much-anticipated Fed meeting, and does this change the course at all for the Fed? You know, the debt ceiling now kicked down the road till 2025. Uh, Janet Yellen's comments. Does this change their course of action here, Edward? Well, so what's interesting is we're starting to see a um, kind of a, a disagreement among some of the Fed uh, governors. Uh, some are saying we should pause. It's all, you know, Powell will be the one leading the, the charge here. And they may do another 25 uh, rate hike. If they do that, it's a disaster. They should. Uh, the, 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 the Fed uh, funds forward curve is telling us that they need to cut rates. The bond market is screaming for rate cuts. Um, so the market is telling the Fed. You've, you, you've made a policy error. So if they hike again, it'll probably be the last one. If they, if they pause, then we know they're even more frightened than we think. Uh, they're looking at unemployment. Unemployment is not what they should be looking at. Uh, we have a thesis at our firm that uh, the vaccines have caused the uh, labor pool to shrink. So they're looking at a, the wrong metric and they're going to they're gonna make a policy error. Interesting. You say even a quarter percentage point could cause disaster. Others would argue, but it's only a quarter percentage point, Edward. What could it really do? Well, it's 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 the uh, it's the signal it sends, and uh, also you have to understand there's a, there's a lag on monetary policy of about twelve to eighteen months. They started this uh, 
ferocious rate hike in February of last year. And uh, we're coming into the second half of 2023. We're going to start feeling the real effects of the monetary tightening. Our early uh, cycle indicators, economic cycle indicators, are showing a recession in third and fourth quarter. And uh, we also have, what for the first time since 1930, the money supply is measured by M2 as year-over-year growth minus 5%. That hasn't happened since 1930. So the liquidity in the system is going bye-bye. And when the Fed... Um, is continuing its QT and tightening. The Treasury now with the debt deal is going to be issuing about $1.5 trillion right. in Treasury debt. Right. That's going to be a liquidity suck out of the markets because what's been going on for the last uh, six, seven months is Yellen has been drawing down the Treasury general account. That That's stimulative. So when they issue bills, it'll be withdrawing liquidity from the markets. I also want to talk to you about uh, the drama we're seeing in, in, in crypto land here. Obviously, uh, SEC cracking down with a one-two punch on Binance and, and Coinbase. Bigger question for you, Edward, is the timing of this all, right? With so many central bank digital currency projects being rolled out in pilot phases, we have Fed now coming out. What do you make of the timing of all of this? Well, the SEC... At the time that the company went public, said that they have no authority over the uh, crypto and said it wasn't a security. Now they're, they're they're pulling a 180, so they're throwing out their rule book. So it seems to me the system is gearing us towards uh, when we're in the depths of the recession, uh, towards introducing a CBDC, central bank digital currency. It'll probably be tied to a universal basic income. We've said that in our most recent inflation report to entice people to accept it and bank consolidation will also help usher in a CBDC. So the system wants a CBDC. Um, I'm, a, I'm opposed to it because it, it, the, the techno, technocratic control over our lives uh, is scary. And I don't think as much as they would like to assure us they're not going to do that, once you have that power, you, you take advantage of it. I always like countering my guests to that point because I've had folks not afraid of CBDC coming on saying, well, they're already tracking us. We're already using plastic. They already know everything you're doing with, with your debit card. Who uses cash anymore these days? What's your counter argument? Why are central bank digital currencies uh, so much more terrifying than what we have today? Well, because it's, it, it links everything together. It digitizes the currency. Right now, we have cash, and you're able to make transactions, if you like, anonymously. And cash in the system, they don't like because there's a lot of uh, you know black market uh stuff going on where they can't tax it. So it's total tax control. Addi- additionally, uh, the head of uh, uh, one, one of the dignitaries from the Bank of International Settlements about a year and a half ago told us in his own words that the great thing about the central bank digital currency is its absolute control over what you do with your money. He said it. And so you can envision a time when you're, you know, they, you know and, and they, they can uh, enact social policies. Let's say they don't want meat because of climate warming you have a meat quota. You go to the, you go to your cash, uh, your supermarket. You, you drop down your meat, and the, the person says, "I can't ring it up because they'll have that information. They'll know how much meat you bought that month, and you you won't be able to ring up your meat." It's total control. When you say the system wants it, what's the system for you? Is it the Fed? Is it government? Is it a deeper layer? And how quickly is it coming? Uh, they're gonna. They're, there's gonna be in the depths of the recession. In Q3 and four, and we're gonna we, we're predicting deflation in Q1 of 2024. 20, uh, there'll be a lot of economic chaos, and that's when they'll introduce it at the maximum amount of fear. And 
it's it, it's it's basically the collapse of the monetary system. I mean, we've had the Federal Reserve uh, was enacted in 1913, and then we got world reserve currency status in 48. So we've had 78 years of this, and the system needs constant growth, credit creation, and we're kind of at the end of it. The dollar has been exported to all the four corners of the world, and mathematically, it just is at an end game. So the system would like to sit atop the new system. So that's why they're doing this. And at the same time, you can ins you can you you can create incredible amounts of social control. And wouldn't that be nice if people are going to uh, be in economic turmoil? And we have AI coming, which will dis displace a lot of people. The robots are coming. So there's going to be a huge portion of the population that's going to be unemployed. So this is, this is, if I was running the show, this is what I would do. And because we're keeping things so light here, Edward, let's add aliens to the mix. And I want to bring it back to a tweet that you had in, in May. Uh, you said, things are so ridiculous right now, it wouldn't shock me to see an alien visitation on the eve of nuclear war to unite the globe. Curiously, our new overlords are in support of a CBDC and carbon taxes. So on the note of aliens, because I know you've been tweeting a lot about this, a whistleblower says he handed over classified evidence proving that a secret government program has been recovering spaceships and aliens for decades. What is happening, Edward? Well, look... Um... If the system is imploding, you can't take the if you're a central banker or a politician, you can't take the blame. So you need to create distractions. And oh, by the way, an alien threat is a government spending bonanza. And they need to they need to create money creation is debt creation at the same time. So they need to spend to keep this thing going. So wouldn't it be great to have a uh, a threat that we all unify around and then we need to spend forever to counter this threat. It's, 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 it's great. And then you solve your deflation problem instantly. So I'm so cynical that I joked that they might float this idea and here they are. And it's, a, and, you know, this is a Pentagon whistleblower and aliens mysteriously appear on the scene right as the stock markets are about to roll over and we're going into a deep recession. So I just find you, it curious. Wait, do you think there's an actual alien? Uh, no, I don't. I, 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 I don't believe. I, right. I mean, that, I, no. <laughs> so they're, they, so creating more of a crisis to to justify spending more than the pandemic. Yes, and and by the way, I find it very curious that Speaker McCarthy and the GOP betrayed their base and uh, uh, basically offered uh, a deal to Biden where there was no cap. So all they did this was a cap in time, not price, and we suspect. The reason they did that is because they were pulled aside and told, we're going to need the flexibility to um, help right the ship when the economy goes down. So the, when the economy goes down and unemployment goes up, usually there's tremendous deficit spending. So I find it very curious that there's no cap. And I think, I think uh, we're all being misled. And, and, you know, it is what it is. This is just beyond everyone's control. And the system is, you know, kind of at its expiration point, in my humble opinion. In terms of sectors that, are there any sectors that you're seeking refuge in, in terms of investments? Well, look, I, I don't want people shorting the market in day trading. If, you're, if you just want to protect what you got, I've been recommending since the stock market peaked in 22 in January, you know, take some of your investments and go to cash. Cash is a position and cash is what we call dry powder. You're earning 5% if you go into a government money market fund and or do treasury direct and roll three month T-bills. And then do what Warren Buffett does. Warren Buffett has a huge treasure chest of cash, and he'll be buying when there's panic in the streets. So 
why can't the little guy do that? That's that's and and that's just the psychology of it. You know, people at the most maximum amount of fear will want to sell everything. You have to fight that fear. And when you feel like you want to vomit, you step back into the market and you buy some some of your favorite companies back. That's that. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to recommend how much of your portfolio you should allocate to cash, but that's that's the only investment advice I've been giving. Um. U.S. dollar, uh, uh, de-dollarization. Is it coming to a theater near you or are the BRICS nations gaining momentum, just a lot of uh, talk and not enough action? The system is such that um, the dollar is king still. What's different this time is that the BRICS are openly discussing what they used to talk about behind closed doors because we have a weak administration and they see the weakness, so they're taking advantage of it, and they're publicly speaking. The dollar is not going anywhere. In fact, the way the system has been created, when you, when you create debt and deflate the dollar, the dollar goes down. When there's, a, when there's a deflation and bankruptcies you have, and money supply goes down, you have a rise in the dollar because there's less dollars. So there's the euro dollar markets, there's 15 trillion in uh, 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 dollar denominated bonds overseas. And 90% of all uh, FX transactions, the seven and a half trillion a day are still done. The other side of the trade is the dollar. So the dollar system, if it fails, will fail up, meaning it will destroy the rest of the uh, globe before it destroys us. Edward, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for having me on and I'll come on again when we have more time. Absolutely. We'll bring you back. I know the folks are going to be like, why didn't you have more time for Edward? He had a small window. I took it. We'll have him back. Don't worry. He's coming back. Save those I'm, comments. I'm yeah, <laughs> I'm, go I'm going to Australia. I'm going to try to uh, help the Australians and uh, spread the truth down there. Love Australia. Well, uh, enjoy that trip. We'll get you back when you're back. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. In the meantime, don't forget to sign up at DaniellaComboni.com to stay on top of it all. That's it for me. Thanks for watching. Now, Ed Dowd has worked on Wall Street most of his career, spanning both credit markets and equity markets. Some of the firms he worked for include HSBC and, most notably, BlackRock, where, as a portfolio manager, he managed to grow a $2 billion portfolio into a $14 billion growth equity portfolio over 10 years. Ed's expertise is analysing data and predicting financial trends. He's currently visiting Australia, where he's on a speaking tour, promoting his book, Cause Unknown, The Epidemic of Sudden Deaths in 2021 and 2022. That sounds fascinating. We'll get on to that in a minute with Ed. But first, Ed, welcome to Australia. Welcome here. You're in Perth. Uh, thank you for chatting to us here on Outsiders. Let's get straight into it. You believe that the politicians and central bankers have actually broken the monetary system and we are at the end of a current monetary cycle and that you say we are in a fraud cycle. Tell us about it, Ed. Yeah, so we believe at Finance Technologies, where I'm a founding partner, that the uh, current monetary system has been under uh, under going undergoing an end game, and uh, we're seeing now an unraveling of the global monetary system that needs to be replaced. It's going to be a Bretton Woods three type of situation like we had after World War II and in the 70s with the going off the gold standard. So, what do we see now? We saw great inflation after the COVID 
uh, fiasco in the U.S. and around the globe where uh, politicians and central bankers printed unprecedented amounts of money. Printing money is actually debt creation. And we saw inflation when that money supply went up. And now the Federal Reserve has raised interest rates 500 uh, basis points in 13 months, one of the most uh, accelerated interest rate hike cycles in the history of the Fed. They've taken away the punch bowl and liquidity, global liquidity is on the wane. Uh, M2, which is the money supply as measured by the Federal Reserve, has gone negative year-over-year -year growth uh, in November of 22 for the first time since 1930. Uh, and, and this is a serious situation. So we see, instead of inflation, uh, that is in the rearview mirror. We're predicting deflation in the first quarter of 2024, and we're looking at a U.S. recession along the lines of the SNL crisis in the 1990s in Q3 and Q4. So the economic indicators we follow are uh, declining rapidly. Uh, we've already seen bank failures in the U.S., and we're going to see uh, huge economic pain in the U.S., which will, unfortunately will spread across the globe. James. So, Ed, you talk about kind of a Bretton Woods 3.0 type arrangement. I've been watching that money supply number with great interest as well. What comes next and how much of what comes next is some sort of new digital payments, digital currency type system, which unhooks um, people from their earnings and their wealth uh, in ways that maybe we aren't fully cognizant of? Yeah, so we're predicting in this next economic crisis that, uh, quote-unquote, serious individuals will start floating the idea of the central bank digital currency. Uh, it'll be discussed as a way to get us out of this crisis. And they'll also, we think, potentially tie it in the U.S. to a universal basic income. So there'll be, in, you know, the stick and the carrot. And uh, this must be, in my humble opinion, uh, avoided. The central bank digital currency, unfortunately, gives too much power and control to uh, technocrats and bureaucrats. It's, a, it's, it's the ability to uh, tax, it's, it's, uh, tax all sorts of activities in your life. It's, a, it's, a, uh, it's, the, it's, it's the technocrat's uh, dream uh, mechanism, because you'll be able to digitize uh, the currency. It'll be connected to your credit card. You'll be able to uh, monitor almost everything you do. So it's, 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 it's another step towards it, uh, lack of freedom. It's the Great Reset. Would it, would it be it? like a social credit system then, in a sense, like a Chinese social credit system? Well, th that is the fear, is that they'll tie it to that. And if you're uh, not, uh, you know, touting the current narrative of the establishment and you're, quote unquote, that what they call dissident and or terrorist, because that, that's the terminology they use yes. now if you don't agree <laughs> with them, uh, they'll, they'll, shut, they'll, they'll, they'll shut off your bank account and that can be done. And we saw that with the Canadian truckers, where they use that very effectively. Now, we've seen corporates embrace this leftist virtue signalling through ESG and DEI policies. Let's have a listen to your old boss at BlackRock. You, you now make a point of that's, that's an investment criteria for you. Well, behaviours are going to have to change, and this is one thing we're, going to, we're asking companies. Uh, you have to force behaviours, and at BlackRock we are forcing behaviours it's an investment criteria and they're forcing behaviours. Tell us about that phenomenon where companies are being forced into adopting these policies, these backward, I would say, destructive policies. Otherwise, they, they can't play the game. Yeah, ESG had noble intentions when it started. You know, it was, uh, you know, environmental, social and governance and... 
it, you know, it, it, it had noble intentions, but unfortunately it's turned into a, a, a way to control and set agendas that may not necessarily agree with the people whose money is invested mm. with these firms. And, and Larry, Larry, Larry Fink, um, you know, I don't, I don't think he's an evil cabal man. I think he's a businessman. And when it comes down to it, ESG is a way to uh, get higher fees. So it's, in my <laughs> humble opinion, it's a, it's, a, it's a fee scheme and they're going to make more money. Uh, what's alarming is the concentration of power in firms like BlackRock, State Street and Vanguard, which control uh, through, through their agents managing other people's money. And the problem is, in the old days, as a portfolio manager, I would vote my shares in my portfolio for the uh, the annual uh, vote for the for the board of directors. That's now uh, in the hands of an elite group at the top of these firms. So it's uh, uh, Charlie Munger uh, of Warren Buffett uh, partner fame has written an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal saying that this needs to be investigated. There's too much power in too few hands. So. Whenever there's too much power and too few hands, strange things happen, like mm. forcing of behaviors. Now, Ed, uh, just quickly before we go on to your book, uh, you say that the GFC, the global financial crisis, never went away. Um, how do people protect themselves? And you're predicting that, that, that that's going to lead to this uh, uh, recession. How do people protect themselves? Well, I don't like to give personal financial advice, but what I have been saying for the better part of a year is um, cash in, in a deflationary period is, is, is a good position. So I've been recommending people uh, look at their portfolios and raise a certain amount of cash and invest in what I call uh, very safe securities like government money market funds and or uh, three-month treasury bills. You can go to Treasury Direct. Uh, it's a website in the U.S. and uh, in, invest with the, uh, the U.S. government uh, and roll those T-bills every three months. It's currently paying about 5%. So you're getting paid 5% to avoid the storm, which will affect most financial assets. You know, we had a theory that it was the vaccine. As, as we move through time, it's becoming undeniable in our minds. And we're, like, we're 150 to 200% convinced it's the vaccine's causing untold amounts of deaths excess deaths, disabilities, and injuries in the form of missed work time. Well, uh, if the team have got the links uh, to financetechnologies.com, that's with a PH, uh, some of those graphs are represented on the webpage. Uh, and, and of course, Ed's written a book, Cause Unknown, which is really making waves. And I want to talk about how that's actually waking some people up. Uh, but uh, there we go. We've got some of that on the screen right now. Excess deaths for, for age group 25 to 44. That's U.S., yearly excess death analysis. You've also got that bro broken up into quarters, Ed. Just talk us through that in the minute before the break. Yeah, so millennials uh, started dying excessively really in 2021 into 2022 and continues in 2023, granted and, and thankfully at a lower rate, but it's still running around 23%, which is still way too high. Um, you know, we looked also at the Society of Actuaries data, which confirms what we we uh, gleaned from the uh, CDC data and the UN data. And the bottom line is it's been detrimental to your health to be employed in 21 and 22. Uh, millennials uh, are, you know, th that age group's not supposed to die. And the insurance companies are paying out claims. Um, they're slowly waking up to this. Josh Sterling has got a, uh, an effort called the uh, Insurance uh, Collaboration to Save Lives, where the vaccine is on the table as a cause.
Welcome back to the Alex Jones Show. I'm your guest host, Maria Z. And can I just say thank you to Alex Jones, who has given us so much over the years. Everything he has done is so appreciated by millions and millions of people over the uh, all over the world. And it's because of Alex for many many people, including people that I know, that they are awake today and avoided these poison shots. Speaking of the poison shots, former BlackRock manager and Wall Street buff Ed Dowd joins us today to discuss his bombshell uh, excess death, disability data, vaccine injuries report. Ed Dowd, thank you so much for being here with us today. Maria, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you. Thank you so much for your time. We, Ed and I, attended an event in Perth, Australia this weekend. It was fantastic. We had thousands of people in attendance, and it really was a testament of the growing uh, population that is becoming awake because of broadcasts like this, because of people like you, Ed. Uh, And so we really want to focus on some of this data that you and your team at Finance Technologies have presented. I mean, walk us through this and and why this is the most credible data in the world right now. And it's waking millions of people up. Yeah, look, I started this journey in 2021. And uh, on one of the first programs I went on, I asked to be a lightning rod. And what I meant was not for the authorities to come after me, but for other people to help me. And I've assembled a team, started a firm with uh, two PhD physicists from Portugal, Carlos Allegri and and, uh, Yuri Nunes. Carlos uh, has an extensive uh, Wall Street background in Europe, worked for a number of hedge funds, wrote a book, uh, um, Economic Cycles, Debt and Demographics. And he came to me uh, in June of uh, 2022. We, myself and Josh, Josh Sterling had already looked at some of the insurance data, some of the CDC data. He volunteered his help to come up with uh, w- what we would call um, a methodology and how to calculate excess deaths that uh, is far and above probably the best way to do it. It's uh, population trend adjusted. And so we, we started looking at all of Europe. The UK, Germany, Australia, obviously the US, Canada, we can't look at because they're hiding their death data at the the moment. But the numbers are in and the numbers are devastating. The numbers basically show across most Western countries a mixture from old to young in 2021. We also looked at US uh, disability data from the US Bureau of Labor Statistics. We've done a deep dive there. Uh, We then looked at the uh, Pfizer clinical trials. There was a paper done by a couple gentlemen and we looked at their paper, and from there, we were able to uh, glean the injuries and the damage and come up with an economic estimate of the damages and the numbers in the U.S. And uh, at this point, um, you know, we had a theory that it was the vaccine. As, as we move through time, it's becoming undeniable in our minds, and we're, like, we're 150 to 200 percent convinced it's the vaccine's causing untold amounts of deaths, excess deaths, disabilities, and injuries in the form of missed work time. Well, uh, if the team have got the links uh, to financetechnologies.com, that's with a PH, uh, some of those graphs are represented on the webpage. Uh, and, and of course, Ed's written a book, Cause Unknown, which is really making waves. And I want to talk about how that's actually waking some people up. Uh, but uh, there we go. We've got some of that on the screen right now. Excess deaths for, for age group 25 to 44. That's U.S yearly excess death analysis. You've also got that broken up into quarters, Ed. Just talk us through that in the minute before the break. Yeah, so millennials uh, started dying excessively 
really in 2021 into 2022 and continues in 2023, granted, and, and thankfully at a lower rate, but it's still running around 23%, which is still way too high. Um, you know, we looked also at the Society of Actuaries data, which confirms what we, we uh, gleaned from the uh, CDC data and the UN data. And the bottom line is it's been detrimental to your health to be employed in 21 and 22. Uh, millennials uh, are, you know, that age group's not supposed to die. And the insurance companies are paying out claims. Um, they're slowly waking up to this. Josh Sterling has got a, uh, an effort called the uh, Insurance uh, Collaboration to Save Lives, where the vaccine is on the table as a cause. Pause, so it, pause it gives, right there for me, Ed. We've got to go to break. Let's continue this conversation on the other side. Don't go anywhere because people are waking up because of this data. It's de- undeniable. We'll be right back. And we are back with Ed Dowd, who is making waves across the world. Let me tell you, his book, his team's data, all the work that he is doing is getting the attention of some important people. Ed, please go on with what you were saying before the break. Yeah, so the millennials, uh, typically speaking, shouldn't die, especially the employed millennials. And and one of the most, so we have our data uh, across the globe, but I like to use other people's data because it, not only does it confirm us, it's not our data, so it's undeniable. Society of actuaries, they count uh, the, you know, the number of claims they're paying out. And in 2021, they paid 40% excess deaths out. 10% is a once in a turn year flood, 40% is unheard of. Millennials uh, had an event in the third quarter of 2021. Their excess deaths went up to 84% very quickly in the three month time frame. That event was mandates and vaccination programs in the U.S. And uh, it's undeniable because in a three-month time frame, it rose at such a fast rate on Wall Street. That's what we call, you know, an event. It was standard deviations above norms. And, uh, you know, the naysayers have said said many things like, Ed, it's suicides, it's drug overdoses, and it's missed cancer screening appointments. And for this elite group of Fortune 500 mid-sized level company employees, it's, it, it, that doesn't make any sense. People tend not to have a suicide pact working at these companies in the third quarter. That makes no sense. They, these people need to be employed to get the claim, and they don't usually overdose on drugs like fentanyl and heroin, and you don't keep your job very long. And missed cancer screening appointments is, is nonsense. I'm 56. I've never had one. Usually you get a cancer screening when you're presented when you present yourself with some sort of illness and then they start testing. So it, no one goes in for regular yearly annual cancer screening appointments. It's nonsense. So you, you, you mentioned something really crucial there, and I recall this from your presentation. This, is, this data represents people who are working who can uh, afford health insurance. This is what we're talking about here. So as you said, we're not talking about this working population represented in the Fortune 500 companies, as you said, going and overdosing on drugs. This this doesn't happen. No, it does not happen. And there was a clear event. The Society of Actuaries uh, report that came out last August that showed 2021 was devastating. And it showed an event. It looks like a heat map. And the red centered on the millennials, 25 through 44 in the third quarter of 2021. They broke it down into two different age groups. Uh, one, one experienced 100% excess mortality, the other 78. It's around 84%, which is the number that Josh Sterling and I came up with in February, March of 2022. So the side of actuaries basically confirmed our numbers, uh, which at the time people were poo-pooing and saying it's just two dudes on the internet. Well, 
side of actuaries isn't two dudes on the internet. So they're so we're getting verification all over the place. Um, we then discovered some new data this year. It's called absence and work time loss data. It's it's annual data. It's not monthly, but it showed a, a an increase of missed work time, work time loss, and absences of uh, 13 standard deviations in the U.S. above a 20 year trend line. Black Swan event. So basically, um, from there, we were able to, from the mRNA clinical trials, come up with an injury number. And uh, we, we think there's about 26.6 million people in the U.S. whose immune systems have been compromised, which is presenting as chronic uh, absences and illnesses. So their immune system is blown up. And if you take that number that we saw in the U.S. and, and, and impute it globally, assuming 5 billion people got vaccinated, it's about 900 million people injured that are chronically presenting as sick. And unfortunately, unless the globe knows what's going on, they're going to treat the symptoms rather than the root cause, which is an immune system problem, which can be fixed. I'm hopeful for that. But if we don't take care of this, the injured can turn into disabled and the disabled can turn into dead. So these buckets are not static. And some people may argue that this was deaths from COVID or even absences due to COVID. Why does this data prove otherwise? Well, first of all, the variants became less um, lethal as time rolled on. And the young folks weren't really dying in 2020 to the extent they were in 21 and 22. And at this point, uh, uh, COVID is a cold. It's Omicron. And uh, we're seeing, for instance, in the, in the country of Australia, your excess deaths reached a new high in 2022 of 16%, and they were minus 2% in 2020, plus 4% excess deaths in 21. And now with a cold, Australia is experiencing horrendous excess deaths. So there's something going on. At the very least, if it's, if it's not the vaccines, which I believe it is, th there seems to be a lack of um, interest in this subject by the global health authorities and the global governments and the media. So we have worse numbers now than we did during the pandemic in, ter in terms of overall excess deaths, disabilities have spiked greatly in the US. I suspect also other places as well. And the injury numbers uh, we're gleaning from the US are probably all over the place as well. So why would this be going on? We have pandemic numbers in 2022 with the pandemic supposedly over, but there's crickets and silence on what's going on. And what, what's the trajectory, Ed? I mean, is it going to get worse? We had people very early on predicting that these injections were going to kill off a large portion of the population. They already have. Does it look like it's going to continue going at this rate? Well, the good news is the disability rate of um, uh, the, 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 the second derivative, the rate of change has slowed, but the disabilities in the U.S. hasn't broken trend. So the, the sharp rise we saw in from Feb 21 to September of 22 has slowed, but it, it, I would like to see us see the trend line broken. We haven't yet. Um, the excess deaths in the U.S., especially amongst the Society of Actuaries, millennial age groups running around 23%, so well off the 84%. But 23%, if, if that continues, you know, that's, that's, that's a devastating population problem. Um, so uh, the numbers while better, aren't getting better as quickly as I would like to see. And if they stay at these levels, we have a problem.
And talk to us about the the data across other countries, because you haven't just looked at the United States, you haven't just looked at Australia, you've also got uh, Europe, the UK, uh, other countries. Is it consistent across the board? What are the differences? Uh, you know, it, it, there's slight differences, but the theme of a mixture from old to young pretty much occurred in almost every country. The country that was the most devastated uh, because they had one of the highest vaccination rates was uh, Denmark. They saw excess deaths in every age group, uh, almost every age group. There was one that wasn't, but it was almost every age group, age cohort, saw 2021 above 2020, 2022 above 21. And Denmark at the end of last year, um, effectively through wordsmithing, uh, banned the vaccine for under 50. Uh, They recommended not to get it. And they said, we'd rather you get COVID than the COVID vaccine. Interesting. Um, we have other that. countries starting to back. Yeah, we have other countries backing off in certain age groups. The U.S. Uh, is seems, which usually is a healthcare leader, is still pushing forward, acting as if nothing's going on. When I came to Australia uh, this weekend, uh, my challenge to Australia was shame the Yanks and ban it before we do. And I, you know, honestly, I think I think there's a shot there because I think as quickly as y'all went over the cliff, you can pull a 180 and. Uh, as word spreads in Australia, I think people are going to be a little irate. And I think change can happen faster there than it can in the U.S. There's too many uh, vested interests in the U.S. that don't want to see this come to light. Well, we certainly have less people to convince in this country and we have a growing movement. That is that is certain. More and more people are telling me, you know, I, I speak to a lot of strangers on the street, as I'm sure that most people who are awake do, because uh, our future literally depends on all of us realising what on earth is going on here. And, you know, when I talk to them about about uh, CBDCs, for example, they are terrified. They don't want this kind of control. And it's all linked with the scam of the past three years uh, and the scam that's been really running much longer than that, but a lot of people have just realised it now. I do want to get into CBDCs with you, but uh, when we come back from the break, I will um, ask the team to play the clip from Sky News. Ed actually interviewed with a mainstream media outlet here in Australia while he was here from Perth. And uh, and they surprisingly aired him saying exactly what he's telling us today. It looks like it is the injections. Uh, there is no other way that this could be uh, that, that it could be attributed to anything else. Uh, and uh, basically prove me wrong. And people have not been able to. So stay with us, Ed. Viewers, please stay with us. Uh, share this broadcast everywhere. This is really, really important information because it's waking important people up. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You know, Australia really was home to some of the most draconian measures and it was such a big deal for so many Australians this weekend to have an honourable person like Ed Dowd in our presence. Dr Asim Malhotra was there, Dr Naomi Wolf, John Shipton, Julian Assange's father at the conference. Some really, really, uh, you know, seasoned campaigners when it comes to telling the truth. I, I interviewed doctors over this period who were put in solitary confinement, raided in their homes, raided in their offices for speaking out. It was absolutely brutal what they did to us in this country. And I will never forget, you know, sometimes we get tired of talking about the, 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 the insane measures that these maniacs went to when it came to COVID, uh, and rest assured, if they did it once, they will do it again. 
uh, and they're planning it right now. But right now we have Ed Dowd with us and he attended a, uh, he actually featured on the mainstream media in Australia while he was here. I've got a quick clip to uh, play here from his appearance on Sky News and, and then we'll go back to Ed. Here's that clip now. My thesis is that it's the vaccine. At the very least, if it's not the vaccine, what is it? And why is no one talking about it? Because the numbers we see now are actually worse than 2020 in terms of continued excess deaths into 23, disabilities that took off in 2021 into 2022. We added 3.2 million to our disability uh, roles in the U.S. We had about 29, 30 million for the prior four years. It went up to 33.2 million in 18 months. And half of those newly disabled people were employed. Mm. Mm. Mm, mm, Very interesting. Ed, you blew up the internet in Australia. (laughs) Well, there's a a backstory here that I'd like to tell. When I was, um, first of all, Adrian McRae put on this event uh, with Topher. He deserves a lot of credit. He got me the interview on Sky News and he told me, look, they don't want to talk about the vaccines. You're going to do a financial talk about the economy and what you see. So I went in prepared just to talk about finance. And uh, I was told that if I start bringing up vaccines, they'd pull me. That's what I was told. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. So I was prepared just to talk about finance. And then they brought up my book and asked me to talk about it, which I was shocked. So I think Rowan and Rita, and I forget the other gentleman's name, deserve a shout out because I think a decision was made to at least uh, let me speak about my book. They plugged my book. And uh, of course they used the TGA disclaimer, but I I suspect and Topher uh, suspects as well that uh, maybe they saw the live streaming event and they decided this information needed to get out somehow. So I I, I gotta give them a a hat tip because I went in not thinking I would be able to talk about it. So that that was great news for Australia. I absolutely agree with you, Ed. I call uh, the the fact that we are not able to <clears throat> air this information without the TGA disclaimer, specifically, you know, given uh, some of Dr. Malhotra's revelations during that conference that the TGA is actually 96% funded by Big Pharma. Uh, you know, so without that TGA, I, 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 I hate that they do this and I understand the reasons why, albeit I don't agree with it. But, um, you know, I was disappointed that it didn't air on YouTube. but. Um, YouTube would probably pull that down. That that portion of your interview wasn't actually aired by Sky on YouTube, but much to their credit, whoever was watching live and all of the, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of reshares that this clip has had of you talking about this on Sky, the full clip uh, has gone all over the internet. So I, I do credit them for that, absolutely. And all of Australia's talking about this. And here's the thing, Ed, you know, we all know it's happening. The mainstream media is alluding to it now. And yet we've got Senator Babbitt in Australia, and, and we're unique in the way that, in the sense that we do have some really great senators here, uh, Senator Alex Antic being one of them, you know, regular, regular guest of mine. And Senator Babbitt went to Parliament and wanted to investigate the excess deaths. He didn't say this is due to the injections, nothing. He wanted to investigate the excess deaths and the parliament voted against it. Imagine being allegedly elected by your people and refusing to investigate why they're dying in droves. Similarly, Senator Antic, and I won't take up the, the, the whole of your time, Ed, but Senator Antic went into parliament and said, okay, 
let's know who's associated with the World Economic Forum. I want you to disclose your ties because it could be a conflict of interest. And let's all just be honest. If we have associations with the World Economic Forum, we can say so. If not, we will say we don't. And most of parliament voted against that. Majority of them voted against it. So you really see this huge cover-up happening. And, you know, you say it yourself. It's a cover-up of the biggest crime in history, the biggest cover-up. But simultaneously, we have so many people waking up. Talk to us about that process. Yeah, so, you know, I believe in the marginal mind. This has always been a battle for the marginal mind. And I believe we, if we reach a tipping point, things change. And so my, my goal in what I've been doing is knowing that the mainstream media won't air my data, knowing that governments and global health authorities don't want to talk about this, it's been a guerrilla uh, warfare, information warfare, get the message out, and it's spreading word of mouth. And you know, what happened in Australia, I think we can't, we can't underscore how important that was. You guys took the brunt of it, but 2,500 people showed up in Perth. That's the biggest crowd I think anybody in the freedom movement has ever uh, spoken to, 2,500 people in Perth. So Perth is waking up, and, and I challenge the audience, take the information and become um, – you know, your own Paul Revere, like we did in the U.S., and, and say it's the vaccines, it's the vaccines, and spread the message. And I think word of mouth is happening. Uh, Rita and Rowan aired uh, the, uh, my, my book. I think things are changing in Australia. And I think you're a nation of 25 million people. And even though the people in the government are trying to suppress this, you guys can change this quickly. I, I think what happened in Australia was so egregious. And I think a million and a half people protested the mandates and lockdowns. There was battleground. Melbourne. And I think Australia has the ability to change and change fast and pull the 180. In the US, you know, we have too many vested powerful interests and, and the nation's too divided. I think you guys can probably pull, pull together and stop this madness. I, I really have hope for Australia. I have hope for the whole world, Ed. At the end of the day, the power's always been with the people. It's just that the people have to realise it. And so we'll talk about, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that towards the end. Really quickly for me, talk about the vaccine damage project, and then we want to get into the economy after this break. Sure. Um, so basically, we did an analysis with all our uh, excess death data, disability data, and then the missing piece, the injuries. And we came up with, um, here's the human cost. It, we, we estimated 300,000 excess deaths in the US, probably on the low side. Um, disability is 1.36 million. Again, we're very conservative. And then uh, injury is 26.6 million. So in total, it's about 28 plus million people in the US. That's about uh, 10% of the population. Uh, it's probably more of the employed part of our country. So that's why it's, I, I've been saying it's a national security issue because of the mandates. And the economic uh, cost we estimate, and we just took lost wages. That's what we can measure. What we can't measure is lost productivity, which is much higher. But here's here's the numbers as as according to lost wages: 5.2 billion from the dead, 52 billion from the disabled, and 89 billion from uh, the injured in 2022 for a grand total of about 150 billion that we can measure. Again, productivity is a multiplier effect. There's lost productivity here, so it could be anywhere from 500 billion to a trillion. We've got to go to break, Ed. These are astronomical numbers. Finance technologies with a PH. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Ed Dowd. (laughs) 
You know, people really underestimate the impact that they can have on the world. Ed Dowd is a perfect example of that. He's seen that there's a huge problem. He's used his skills, his gifts to present something to the population that is helping them wake up. I want to share a really quick story, and this is in no way, shape or form, you know, me pumping Z Media's tires up, although I think we do great work. Uh, last year, in in um, early last year, we were contacted by some doctors and they really didn't know what to do. And when I tell you Australia was terrified, these doctors were being raided. One of them spent time in solitary confinement. I said that before, but just imagine in your brain a doctor being put into solitary confinement for speaking out against the shots. It's a serious Nazi Germany stuff. And so we gathered these doctors, 17 of them, into a conference. We called it Conference of Conscience. It was the first time in our country that something of this nature had been held. And it was, you know, it really blew up. It went viral all over the country because of the fact that doctors were finally speaking up. And these brave doctors, one of them approached me over the weekend and just said, you know, I'm, I, I want to thank you and I'm, I'm so happy that you did what, 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 that we all did what we did and you encouraged us to speak out. And I, I don't have what I had before, but I'm happier now than I was. And I guess this is, this is what I want to talk to you about, Ed. People are, you know, they, they, they're, they may not have their prestigious careers. They may not have the same career that they had before, but it is so much more prestigious to be truthful and doing the right thing for humanity. Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, people uh, ask me, you know, why am I doing this? It's because it needed to be done. And I had no fear about doing it. And as a result of doing this, I've met the most wonderful people that share the same values as me. And, you know, we've been doing this for free. There, there's no, you know, we eventually need to get day jobs. And uh, this is, this is, but it's been the most fulfilling work I've ever done in my life. And I'm honored to be able to go on shows like this and present the truth. And uh, Steve Kirsch, I saw Steve Kirsch in Maui before I took off in uh, October of 2021. And someone asked him, he had lost his, his company, he was kicked off the board of directors, he was vilified by all his friends. And, and he said, they said, you know, would you, knowing what uh, happened to you, would you do this again? He said, I would do it just to save one life. And that's exactly it. It's about saving just one life. And if you can save many lives, that's a good net thing. And you can go, you can go to the next world uh, happy that you're in this fight. So my charge to everyone is, if, if, if you're starting to wake up, just share this life-saving information with other people because, you know, I said in Australia on Saturday night, you know, if you've been vaccinated, fine, and, uh, but don't take boosters because it's, it's, it's like a trade. You're on the wrong side of the trade, and the more you get boosted, the more you, you risk uh, an adverse event or, or a problem. So stop getting a booster for a, a, a treatment we know that doesn't work at all. Well, I'm, I'm certain that the that the audience, regular viewers of this broadcast um, are, are not getting boosters. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you never know. Maybe their work's asking for it. We still have employers in Australia that are asking people to go and get more injections. It is madness. And so, you know, if, if you're one of those people, obviously stop immediately. The, the, these are poison shots. You said it just before, Ed, this is a national security issue. Our military have been poisoned. 
Yeah, the, the U.S. military, and I, and I suspect other militaries across the globe have been poisoned. Colonel Theresa Long, who uh, is a whistleblower in the U.S. Uh, Air Force, uh, has um, said to me after I put out the vaccine damage report, she called me immediately and said, given what I'm seeing through recruitment efforts, which are low due to the woke nature of the military, those who quit because they didn't want to get vaccinated, and those who are getting disabil- uh, disabilities, injuries, and, de- and dying, she says in five years we won't have a standing military unless we stop this. It is, it is heartbreaking to see how many people went along with this, but I'm glad that people are waking up. By the way, Ed, do you know that the link for Finance Technologies does not work on Safari in Australia? You have to use DuckDuckGo. Would you believe that? They are actively I, blocking your link. Wow, I did not know that. It, someone in Australia pointed that out. I said it worked for me. So apparently uh, your intelligence agencies are doing something, I guess. Yeah, I, I think it's, um, I mean, I've tried from a couple of browsers. You really have to use DuckDuckGo. So for anyone watching this, uh, you know, obviously the data is making a huge impact on the world. Go to PH Finance Technologies, finance with a PH, technologies.com. And if you go to the uh, projects, humanity projects, um, they've also got resources on there. This data is is really making a difference. It's waking a lot of important people up. We can't say too much about who, uh, but let me tell you, it's waking up some important people. They're getting copies of Ed's book and they're saying, hang on a minute, I've been duped. And maybe you can spend a moment talking about that, Ed, about the fact that people who we may think were in the know actually weren't, and, and they're, they're pissed. Yeah, so I'm not gonna say names, but I know some very important people in the US who run uh, big companies have received copies of my book. They took the jab and now they're not happy. And, um, you know, a lot of people in the conspiracy world think that everybody at the top was in on it. That's not true. Many, many people uh, believed and took the jab. The executives of these insurance companies took the jab. Large Fortune 500 CEOs took the jab. And they got the real deal, not not some saline solution. And uh, this book has uh, been instrumental in waking people up because I come at it not from a medical science point of view, but from a numbers trend analysis point of view, Wall Street. And a lot of people in corporate America understand finance and Wall Street speak, and they see these numbers and they just, their, their, their jaws drop. Dr. Malhotra actually dropped a bombshell on the Aussie audience over the weekend talking about the fact that he believes that there's enough evidence to declare that Shane Warne, a famous cricketer, actually died due to the jab. We know about Jamie Foxx's reaction as well uh, recently in the media. So there's there's a I think you're right. A lot of people who we would think are in the know actually weren't. Uh, and it's, I think that the question now, Ed, is what are these people going to do with this information that they are getting? You know, these people that are now injured, these people that are, um, you know, may not personally be injured, but now all of a sudden their conscience is pricked once they realize, hang on a second, I took part in maybe even promoted something publicly because of pharma backing or because I thought, you know, I was, I was part of the deluded people that thought that this was good for humanity. Um, and, and now it's, it's proving to not be good. Uh, so I, I think that, that, you know, it really is a call to the conscience of those people. Yeah, this is, we're at, we're, we're, 
I look at things in terms of capital markets and and stock prices and 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 asset classes. And at, at when you have kind of a bubble and a euphoria, it kind of exhausts itself, and then there's a tipping point, and then it goes the other way. I think we're getting closer and closer to the tipping point of people who. Uh, are coming to, around to the conclusion that supporting this vaccine is not going to be good for your career. Your, uh, uh, you're going to be on the wrong side of history. So this, once this starts spreading, it'll happen quick. I think we're approaching that moment. We've gone from denial. We're somewhere between denial and anger. And hopefully that anger can be put to good use and people can be activated. And we start having serious investigations, congressional investigations in the U.S., I hope something happens in Australia and uh, people pull a 180 because this isn't about, you know, unless you're directly tied to some sort of criminal activity, pulling a 180 is not a big deal. It's just it's just admitting you're wrong. And in Wall Street, the most successful amongst us admit we're wrong and pull a 180 quickly. That's how you survive on Wall Street to to not admit you're wrong. I I think you're absolutely right. And, and and here's the thing, we're about to go to break, Ed, but here's the thing, you're absolutely right. Even though people are so, so mad, they will still show forgiveness if you have people that start coming out now with the truth en masse. You, you have a window now. Here's a call to all of those people that we're addressing specifically. You have a window right now before the people get mad beyond belief because I tell you what, we are not letting go of this particular crime. On the other side of the break, on the economy with Ed Dowd. We can't talk to him without talking about the economy. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We're here with Ed Dowd. All right, Ed, we've spoken about the fact that people are waking up to the disaster that were the injections, and we're talking about people really high up the chain uh, because of your book, Cause Unknown, and the work of your team uh, making waves truly Now, we need to talk about what's happening in the finance world, uh, the economy and what 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 people can actually expect over the next six to 12 months. Sure. So uh, the Fed is going to do an interest rate decision tomorrow. Um, I several months ago, when we had some bank failures, I, I said that the Fed will be doing an emergency rate cut by June. Looks like I'm going to be wrong on that, but eventually even more right than I Fear because if they do raise interest rates 25 basis points, it's going to be a disaster because there's a lag on monetary uh, changes, uh, interest rate changes and monetary changes. So just like there was a lag on inflation when they did what they did in, in 2020, we saw inflation in the end of 21 and 22. Uh, the raising of interest rates 525 basis points over a 13, 14 month period is going to cause a liquidity uh, event in the in, in the globe monetary uh, uh, calculations are showing that m2 is going negative for the first time since 1930 year-over-year growth rate so there's a lag effect that lag effect if they raise again today is going to be even worse for q3 q4 in the u.s and probably q1 so we're looking at a deep recession in the u.s we put out a report we're now calling for deflation a couple of weeks ago saying that uh, deflation will be the buzzword in Q1 of 2024. And we'll see unprecedented uh, actions by the Fed, probably, and uh, the government uh, in the U.S. will probably spend, uh, do deficit, tremendous amounts of deficit spending to take us out of what, what we see as a deep recession along the lines of the SNL crisis in, ni- in the 1990s. So 
it's looking grim, but you know, this, this is, this is, these are cycles. You can't avoid cycles. And it seems like the monetary and government authorities know that because of the leverage that any kind of recession will, will be bad. So you can't deny cycles. You have to pay the cycle. It's due at some point. And I think, unfortunately, they've made some egregious mistakes that are going to exacerbate the cycle on the downside. Well, let me ask you, Ed, their goal is to switch everything to a central bank digital currency and really, you know, put, make it impossible for people to operate outside of that. How do you think they're going to use this to orchestrate the switch to CBDC? Is it going to be instant? Is it going to be gradual? Is it going to be offering people a UBI to switch to CBDCs? How are they going to really pull this off? Because people don't want this. So, uh, you know, don't, they, all, they say, don't let a good crisis go to waste. So there's a crisis coming. Uh, many people were baffled by Speaker McCarthy uh, giving in to the uh, Democrats and uh, having a uh, debt ceiling uh, deal without a cap. It's basically a cap in time, not, not amount or price. So basically, I think, and I wasn't in the room, it's speculation on my part that they were told there's a crisis coming. We need the flexibility to spend as much as we can to save the economy. And I think that's why the deal went through. So in the midst of this crisis, there'll be, by very serious people, we suspect, the floating of central bank digital currency, which many people don't know about yet. So they'll float the idea to the general public. And they'll probably, in, in the midst of a, a growing unemployment rate, they'll offer uh, a UBI, universal basic income, but you'll have to take the CBDC in order to get it. So it's going to be the carrot and the stick. Carlos, Yuri, and I are the belief that this will definitely be introduced or floated sometime in uh, Q4, Q1, maybe Q2 of next year. But in the depths of the crisis, uh, it'll be offered as a solution, we think. Is it, you know, we've heard about the, um, the, the, the cyber shutdowns. We had the World Economic Forum warn us that over the next two years, cyber shutdowns were going to be the main thing. Do you think it's feasible that they'll do something like that and then launch CBDCs as the as the only solution moving forward? Look, I, the, these folks from the World Economic Forum, you and I talked about this when we first met, the first interview we did over a year ago. You're one of my first uh, interviews, interviewers that uh, started to focus on my data, so I applied you. You and I laughed about the clownish evil Bond villains. These people are, are jokes. They, they, they literally, uh, they're selling things that just no one wants. Uh, you'll own nothing and be happy. You'll eat the bugs. I mean, it's, it's comical. So they now warn us about cyber shutdowns. If they were to occur, it would be hard to do. And if it happens, we all know why. So it won't be because of some, you know, attack from Iran or Russia. It'll be our own government shutting the switch off itself to create fear. So the good news is there's enough of us that are aware of this scam that if it does happen, we're not going to be in fear. We're not going to be like, oh, save us, give me a CBDC. I think there's enough people <laughs> awake now, especially because of the vaccine disaster, that this isn't going to work. I don't think it's going to work. I, I, I don't think it will either. And I think too many people will be in an uproar. I What I'm trying to uh, establish is whether they already have the platform set up to essentially give people no option other than CBDC. Is it is the is the technology ready? 
I don't think so. And we haven't seen the bank consolidation in the U.S. That needs to happen first. And, you know, uh, with what's going on uh, with the uh, yield curve and the 14 years of zero interest rates, a lot of regional banks, because of what, what the Fed did, are upside down. So they have tremendous losses on their books. They can't raise deposit rates. Uh, and people are going and taking deposits out and putting them in money market funds, which give them a higher rate. So it's a disintermediation of a lot of regional banks. There'll be consolidation, whether by uh, design or incompetence, it doesn't really matter. Again, I wasn't in the room, but the end result will be fewer banks in the US and it, it would be easier to introduce a CBDC with fewer banks. If they try to do it too soon, uh, it, won't, it, it won't work as effectively in the US. We're, we're different than a lot of countries. We still have a, a very robust banking system that's not just you know six banks. I, I know in Australia, you guys have like four bank, big banks and that's about it. We do have other community banks. After I was debanked, uh, I, I went to a community bank, not that I was with one of the big four before. Um, I haven't been for many, many years, but they are definitely, I mean, as far as the big four go, listen, listen to this, everyone. One of the big four is asking people to, in order to be able to continue using their online banking services, they have to agree to new privacy um, amendments, if you will. And that includes the bank collecting your religious data, your political views, your gender. Uh, ideology. I mean, this is just insane. And on top of that, one of the big four, uh, another one of the big four has said, well, we're going to start shutting down our branches. I mean, they've been doing this everywhere. Regional branches have been shutting down for some time. You can't go to a bank, you know, or it's open. If you're in a regional area, it's open between the hours of two to four on a Tuesday and that's it. Uh, it's, It's insane. But on top of that, they've said you can't get money over the counter. You have to go to an ATM and you're capped at $1,000 a day. This is this is happening now in Australia and another big bank has joined suit. So where I, I said, look, it's starting and people said to me, oh, Maria, it's just a few branches, you're, you're fear-mongering. Well, guys, this is how it starts and it's a systematic conditioning so that, okay, it's just a few branches, you know, don't don't be dramatic. It will be every branch. Why on earth have we got banks telling you you can't have your own money? It's your money over the counter. You're not allowed. So, I mean, they're already setting up the building blocks for this, especially in our country, Ed. We've got about a minute left. Just let people know where they can find you uh, and follow your work, Ed, please. Before I do that, let's back up to what you said about banks requiring your religious beliefs and political views. That's the beginning of a social credit score. That you must fight at all costs. And, not, and, and if these people want that information, go to a community bank if you can find one. That's my call there. You can find me on Twitter at Dowd Edward, D-O-W-D Edward, Getter at Edward Dowd. We have a website, Finance Technology, spelled with a P-H instead of an F. It's got all the receipts. And also my book, Cause Unknown, The Epidemic of uh, Sudden Death in 21 and 22, is a good way to convince your loved ones that something uh, horribly uh, horrible uh, went on during COVID. It's a really great book. I've seen it. I'm yet to read it in its entirety, but it's really, really, uh, I'm encouraging people to check it out on Amazon. Cause Unknown, Ed Dowd, thank you so much for your time today. God bless you. Tonight, Z Media's got a report coming out on our weekly broadcast, Zero Time, where we actually discuss 
the breaking news this week, the WHO has announced the global vax pass. They want to essentially tie this to your social credit score, uh, your central bank digital currency and everything else that they're planning. But as Ed said, I really don't think that they're going to succeed and it's because we're getting stronger every single day. I appreciate your time and Ed's time today, everyone. We'll see you all very, very soon. Here's Owen Troyer. God bless.